0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Money Multiplier Podcast, where we talk about, do our dollars make sense? I'm your host, Hannah Kessler, and here we dive into the world of the infinite banking concept. So in this episode, we're going to dive into the real-world events of what's going on right now and what folks are talking about in the headlines. You know, Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank of New York, and how they are becoming insolvent, you know, the doors are closing, and this is really due to the public's negative views, you know, the bank runs that are happening. And it's because the Fed is increasing these interest rates at the fastest pace that has has ever happened in history. So we're gonna dive into a little bit about that stuff and but before we can kind of dive into that topic let's talk about the fractional reserve lending system and let's just understand the foundation of how banks operate and how banks are turning liabilities into assets. So this is something that I do teach uh, when I'm going out on the road and uh, talking about this infinite banking concept. So I want you to turn to the screen here, and I wanna really walk through what the fractional reserve lending system is and how banks work. So this is how your bank works, whether you're in a big town, LA, uh, New York City, uh, uh, San Antonio, uh, Texas, right? You can be anywhere in a big city or you can be at a small hometown bank. This is how your bank works. And so what happens? is you the depositor you put money into that bank and let's make believe you put a hundred thousand dollars as a deposit down at the bank. Now don't get hung up in the number of a hundred thousand I want you to just understand that this is your money this is your money that you're depositing down at the bank and let's make believe that this bank they are paying you four percent interest All right. Now I know they're not. I know they're not. But let's make believe that you found a really good bank and they're paying you 4% on your money. So this deposit that you leave down at the bank, what happens? This is now a liability to the bank because they have to pay you interest on that money. So how does that bank turn that liability into an asset? They lend it, right? Banks are in the lending business. So what they do is they take your money and they lend it back out to you or to other people who need that money. So who here besides myself has ever gone down to the bank and borrowed money for a house, right? Some of us. So the bank takes our money, lends it to you or to somebody else, and they create that mortgage, Well, let's make believe that the bank lends you the money and we'll call it 7%. Again, don't get hung up on the numbers, just want you to get the concept. So the bank lends you money at 7% to go buy the house and then what happens? You have to pay the bank back and if you don't pay them back and if you don't pay them back with interest, what happens? They will come and foreclose on you. So you got to pay the bankers back. Got to pay them back with interest. Money goes back to the bank. How about a car, right? Who here has ever gone down to the bank, borrowed money to go get a car, right? Let's call it 8% so bank lends you money at eight you go purchase the car what happens you got to pay the bank back got to pay them back with interest if you don't you're going to hear that beep 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 as it's rolling off your driveway right because they're towing it away they're going to come and repo that car if you don't uh, pay them back so money goes back into the bank how about a home remodel right Um, I don't know maybe you want a swimming pool or new granite countertops or you're updating your master bathroom or bedroom right so you do a home remodel let's call it nine percent you take out that loan from the bank you go pay your contractors then what has to happen pay the bankers back got to pay them back with interest money goes back into the bank So I hope you see what's happening here, right? All money does is it goes in, it moves out. It moves in, moves out, moves in, moves out, moves back in. Lastly, let's do a debt consolidation, right? Let's go pay off all the credit cards. Let's do a debt consolidation. Let's call that 12%. You take a loan from the bank, you go pay off the credit cards. Money goes back into the bank. So with this little exercise, I just want to do a little math here. All right. And I'm going to make this very, very easy. I just want to see and assess how well did you do and how well did the bankers do? Because remember, you found a really good bank and that bank is paying you 4% on your money. So in the first transaction of of the house or the home mortgage, Bank made 7%, you made 4%, 7 minus 4 equals 3. In the car transaction, bank made 8, you made 4, 8 minus 4 equals 4. And in the home remodel, bank made 9, you made 4, 9 minus 4 equals 5. And then lastly, in the credit cards, that debt consolidation, bank made 12, you made 4, 12 minus 4 equals 8. And if you add up all of those numbers, the 3, the 4, the 5, and the 8, that comes out to 20%. So my question is, how well did you do versus how well the bankers did? And when I go out and I teach this live, you know, most folks uh, come back and they say, well, Hannah, they made 16% more, right? Because 20 minus 4 equals 16%. No, no. How about 500% more? Because doesn't four go into 25 times? Banks are making no less than anywhere from 400 to 1300% annually on the money that you leave there with them. And if you want to fact check me, go Google something, go go, go out there and go look up Bauerfinancial.com, B-A-U-E-R, Bauerfinancial.com. And you can look up the big banks that we all know the names of or your small hometown banks, but go out there and go find their annual report. And I challenge you to do this. Okay. Because if you find me a bank that makes less than than 400% annually on the money that you leave there with them, you owe it to me to call me up and tell me because I'm gonna go and change my presentation now. And it just hasn't happened. Nobody has ever found me a bank that makes less than 400% annually on the money that we leave there with them. And here's my question too, what risk, what risk do these bankers take when they are lending out this money? Not a lot, right? Because whose money are they using? They're using your money. They're using our money. And and I mean, it just kind of makes sense too. Because if you go around, I don't care what city that you're in, but if you pull up to the main intersection in town and there's four corners on that intersection, tell me one of the buildings that is on one of those four corners. No, it's not Starbucks. Right? It's a bank. Banks, right? And banks are everywhere. And, and our banks are on the bad landscape escaping, bad property, right? Rundown buildings. No, man. Usually they're the nicest buildings in town. And a matter of fact, sometimes if you even go into some banks, they'll even give you stuff, right? You can even go in there and get some stuff. There's actually a joke. Noggle talks about this a lot. How when you go in, they even have those like dumb dumb suckers, right? And they're kind of telling you something. They're like, here you go, dum-dum. Yeah, leave your money here with me. Here's your dumb dumb sucker. Have a good day, right? So so this is what banks are doing and this is how banks work. Now, let's talk about fractional reserve lending. What this means is is that with every $1 that we leave down there at the central banks, these banks can lend out up to Anywhere from 8 to $10 for every $1 that we leave there with them. And so what they're doing is they're playing this game that, well, we hope and we think that not everybody is going to come and do a run on the banks at the same point in time. But what's happening right now? So let's take it back to the real current events that's going on right now. Quarter one at the end of quarter one, 2023. So what's happening is is that when the Fed increases their interest rates, that then makes the government bond rates start to go down. So these companies, they saw this happening. These very big tech and large corporations saw this happening. So they went down to the bank and they did this run on the bank to request their deposits out. And so what happened is, is that it Force Silicon Valley to sell off their bonds at a loss and, you know, the word spread. And so thousands of depositors, they ran to the bank requesting their money out. And so what happened then on March 10th, 2023, regulators stepped in and they closed the banks. They closed their front doors. So what this means now is, is that, right, we have the FDIC insurance, which I think, in my opinion, is the biggest scam in a marketing term if I ever did hear one. But all right, we have this FDIC insurance that will cover up to $250,000 of the loss that these uh, depositors have in their accounts, right? And it's going to take a few days. I mean, it can take anywhere from three to seven days to issue these um, um, returns back to their depositors. But what happens now is that the FDIC is going to step in, refund all of those smaller accounts. But here's the problem. 93% of the accounts that were held down there at Silicon Valley Bank, over 93% of them held more than that $250,000. So what happens then? Well... The banks then now issue those folks a certificate of deposit, a CD. Okay, so they issue them this CD, and it basically is a piece of paper. And this piece of paper is saying, Hey, well, we acknowledge that your deposit is down here with us, but we just simply don't have it right now. So we promise in the future that when we get this money, we are going to make you whole and we're going to refund you all of your uh, money that you're rightfully due. Well, tickle me this, y'all. How easy is it to go down to the grocery store and buy your milk, your produce, your loaf of bread with a certificate of deposit? What grocery store is going to take that flimsy piece of paper as payment for their products? I don't know any. So this becomes a big trouble for the people out there who put all of this trust within that bank. And in my opinion, I think this is why it's so important that we're out here preaching about how uh, important privatized banking really is to people. And now, in my opinion, I think people's belief in the banking system is going to go way, way down. So I want to just read something that I saw out there kind of floating around on social media. It's a gentleman that I follow and it was from one of his Instagram posts. So before we worry though, here's some stuff that we got to know. Silicon Valley Bank was mismanaged. It was the only major bank willing to lend money backed by illiquid securities and their clients were mostly startups, which also carried more risk. They also failed to hedge their investments against rising interest rates. The problem with the bank crash isn't the crash itself. It's the belief of people in the banking system. Depositors' confidence is affected and we might see deposits run amongst smaller banks which can transform into a death spiral for the sector. Again, I just think it's very, very important to take back the control and really diversify what you're doing. I tell y'all this all the time. I limit the amount of money and dollars that I keep down at the local banks. I only keep no more than two or three months of my overhead expenses and everything else I'm warehousing inside of my policies or it's deployed out there in some active investments that I'm doing. And you know, There's no way to totally eliminate the central banks from our lives. There's no way that I personally found out quite yet, especially when you are operating with the policies, Um, but I can limit and protect myself about uh, with how much money I really do keep down there with them. So it kind of brought up a question that was asked to me this week. Somebody asked me, you know, they said, well, Hannah, I see the headlines that are going on. You know, what would happen if a mutually owned life insurance company were to become insolvent? What happens? What happens if they go bankrupt? And I just wanted to inform the public that there are regulations and regulators out there who are actively assessing these insurance companies. So what happens is is that there is this Insurance Guarantee Association and it's all governed right there at the state level, but they all go out and they will assess the portfolios of what these insurance companies are doing. And when they see that these folks that their trending rates are going down another larger insurance company will come in and they will buy them out because we got to keep in mind these life insurance vehicles they are a contract it's a contract between you and the insurance company and at the end of the day the worst thing that can ever happen with your policy contract is that company just doesn't pay out that dividend So let's talk about a real life story. Ohio National, okay? Ohio National Life, they were a mutually owned company. My family owns policies with that company. Well, what happened is, is that new leadership came ab- about and their investment side of the company started going down. They didn't lose money on the life insurance side. It was the investment side. Same with AIG, right? Ever, um, some folks will ask me about AIG and the life insurance and, and how they went underwater, right? Well, they didn't lose money on the life insurance side. They lost money on this, their mismanagement on the investment side. And you can track this too that is why it's important to work with somebody that is going out there and doing the due diligence of these companies because you can really tell these companies post every month their Comdex ratings and these ratings you can track if these companies are going down or if they're going up so we saw this coming about with Ohio National and so we actually stopped doing business with them about three years before this happened and so What it is, is that a Canadian company, it's a stock company, came in and they bought them out. Well, in the future, inside of my contracts with Ohio National, I'm not going to get my dividend because now it's a stock company, but... I still get my contractual promise guaranteed interest. I still get my contractual promise permanent death benefit as long as I keep up my end of the deal of making my premiums into my policy contract. Not to mention inside of a life insurance policy contract, a whole life policy contract, you the policy owner, you have first rights to any cash value inside of your policy. So if you call up the insurance company and you have a cash value or equity inside of your policy contract, they have to give you that money. You, the policy owner, holds first rights to any of those dollars. And to go back and to compare it to conventional banks, oh my gosh, when you try to go down to a conventional bank and request your money out, you know, and maybe it's in a large sum, it's almost like going in and you got to do a prostate exam just to either get your loan or if it's a large sum of money you're trying to withdraw they're gonna hassle you about it well why do you need this money what are you doing with it right when are you gonna pay it back who cares right it's my money it's my money that I'm gonna go out there and use. So it's the control aspect that really we need to start taking more responsibility and ownership on so that we can protect ourselves when things like this happen. Because let's be real, those are external factors that we cannot control. I can control how I use my money and what I want to do within my policy contract itself. And then from there, from my policy, I can control what risk I want to take in those active investments that I'm doing. So insurance companies, another point that I just want to make this, they really do operate off of Austrian economics. What I call the infinite banking concept, this is Austrian economics in action. Austrian economics really means Individual, individual liberty, meaning that you are 100% in control. In my opinion, it also falls into the lines of a free market where you the the seller, you the buyer, you can determine what you want to set the prices at. You can determine whether it's a good idea to spend a million dollars on a pack of chewing gum or not. Right, it's a free market. You can do whatever you want. I also believe Austrian economics is about sound money. So sound money really means is is that if I'm gonna go and leave my money somewhere, and that deposit is called a deposit on demand, like banks are calling it. Yeah, right. That that's a freaking load of crap. But but with these insurance companies, when I'm making those premiums and they're depositing into my policy, the insurance company they can never lend up out I should say more money than what they have on hand so one dollar always has to protect that one dollar down at the insurance company and matter of fact it's even more than that it's about one dollar has to protect like a dollar and eight cents or a dollar and 12 cents something like that because at the end of the day insurance companies are not in the lending business like banks are at the end of it all, they got to make sure they are keeping up with their promises and they are going to pay out your beneficiaries that death benefit at the time of your passing. So. A lot of things that come into play here and the differences between mutually owned life insurance companies versus these conventional banks and their fractional reserve lending system of what they operate on. So diversify, y'all. Diversify, diversify, diversify. I will even diversify my policy portfolio. I will put all my eggs in one basket. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm not married to any one company that I do business with. I do like companies companies some over others you know maybe they're servicing maybe sometimes their products if if whatever you're looking to do um because everybody's different right people are going to design their policies different ways with what's going on in their life at that time but you, you never hear this you never hear run on a mutual insurance company. You don't hear that, but you hear run on the banks all the time. So just diversify, you know, diversify with what you're doing, your asset classes, and really protect yourself during these uncertain times. So the purpose of this little episode is I just wanted to enlighten you, talk a little bit about the real world events that are going on. And hopefully this uh, makes sense to you in that you gained a little bit of knowledge, your little nugget that you can take forward and, and now it now makes sense. Okay, I understand why. I understand why prices are high, why inflation is high. I understand now why these banks are closing their front doors. I get it now. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Money Multiplier Podcast. And I ask you to ask yourself, do your dollars make sense? At any time, you can write into me, hannah at themoneymultiplier.com. Ask me questions. Share topics you would love me to cover. And uh, we're traveling around, okay? Down in the description box below, themoneymultiplier.com forward slash resources. You can find our events on there. We're coming around to 23 different cities this year, free events. And I hope to catch you live. Um, give us five stars, you know, go out there on the uh, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and um, just join the community. We keep chatting about maybe it may not be infinite banking concept related. Maybe it might be the housing market, the stock market, really whatever is going on in our economy and what monetary system that we have going on at the time. So, all right, until then, I'll see you later. Bye now.